He says, yeah, I was in the one room. I said, I actually was in one room for the player meeting, so I have him around. How did it look? Pretty good? Huh? What do you think? <laughs> good? <laughs> yes. Hey, excellent. Commissioner, what do you think? <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Coming up on 10 minutes after 8 on Wisconsin's Morning News, the front end of the holiday weekend. Vince Vetrano here with you until 9 o'clock. Greg Pancake Hill is producing the program. You heard Eric is off today. He will be in with you on Memorial Day here for Wisconsin's Morning News. And WTMJ Steve Scafidi in with me for this hour. Want to nice. Say, appreciate your extra time. Absolutely. Yeah, put in I'm, for your bonus after today. Okay, okay? I will do There's that, yes. A little something extra for you. A little something something <laughs> for the efforts. You're entitled. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll see how the hour goes. Yes. I was in seventh grade at Longfellow Elementary School in Wauwatosa when we were asked to do one of the most memorable projects I've ever done as a young student. And it was a good one. The project was you need to do a scrapbook about something that's in the news. And the, the exercise was to get you involved in the news cycle, to get you used to reading the paper every day, Milwaukee Journal, Milwaukee Sentinel, what have you. And you had to pick a topic and show that you could stick with that topic in your little scrapbook, right? And the topic that I chose back in, what would that be, like late 80s, was the various stadium proposals for replacing county stadiums. Mm. And the Sentinel had some really good coverage. I think I got a lot out of the Sentinel. And it was, you know, what design are we going to use or what could it look like? And the debate over where would we put it? Remember, there was a proposal at one time to put it out in Wauwatosa by the industrial park there. Uh, should it be where it is? Should it be downtown? All of these things. But we explored the issue. But that gives you an idea of how long ago that was. Here's a seventh grader talking about this stadium proposal for saving baseball in Milwaukee. And I was invested in it. And it was a great project because it was interesting. It was about development. It was about our hometown. It was about baseball that I love very much. And there was a lot of emotion in that as well because my dad was a Milwaukee Braves fan and talked about those years after the Braves left and there was no baseball in Milwaukee. And so it had all of those elements for me. And we went through that and it was a contentious debate. Lawmaker lost his job down there. In yeah. Racine, right. All of these things happened. And we went through that. And we got this beautiful ballpark. We got then Miller Park, and it opened. Of course, you had the tragedy and the construction of Miller Park as well. Uh, but it finally opened, and here it was. And I took a big exhale, as probably many all of us did, and I thought, there, ah, that's done. And I can't believe we're talking about it again. I don't know what I thought, Steve, that like the work was done here and we'd never discuss this again. But it felt like, hmm, done, finished. And I know probably a lot of fans feel that way who were with us in our generation who already went through this. This was an interesting debate. I mean, you, you were right. George Pitak almost lost his job. Or he lost his he job. Did. He did. He lost his job. Yes. Him out, right? What am I thinking? Saying almost. He lost his job. Uh, he was a brave soul. And I think some of us forget that this is a generational story. These stadiums have a lot of infrastructure. And that requires constant maintenance, a lot of steel, a lot of moving pieces. And as you build these things, and I, I don't remember what the what was the cost of uh, Mil, of Mil, then Miller Park, now Amphan Field. Well, I think the original sticker price was like four hundred twenty-five yeah. million, but 
You can't even sniff a stadium for that now. Right You're talking now. a billion, You're a billion dollars. Plus. So why would we think that the maintenance and upkeep and repair, if we need it, of the current stadium is not going to cost us a lot of money? And if we don't have a plan, you can use this for any discussion beyond ballparks. If you don't have a plan, it's going to cost you more down the road. So we better figure this out. So it's a generational thing. Every generation is probably going to be asked, what are you going to do with this ballpark? How are you going to improve it? How are you going to keep your team here? Now, I, I heard some of the Manfred stuff. I know you're going to play some of it. My takeaway was he loves this franchise. He wants it to succeed. He's not threatening in any way. And then there were some reports that people said he's, you know, they could move. I didn't get any of that out of what he was saying. None I didn't either. Yeah. And so I want to play some of that for you this morning and then ultimately get to the question here of what should we do? Because I would, and I'll tell you on the front end, and I'll back it up with my opinion on that, I would. I liked the governor's proposal. You got a pile of money there in Madison. I know it's not meant to be spent frivolously. I'd like to see the state write a check, put it in the Wisconsin uh, Stadium uh, Professional Ballpark District, right. fund this here and for the next 20-plus years and be done with it instead of have this bloodletting and the nickel and diming and the conversations and the fights. Let's do it. Done. Over. I would like that. That's actually a smart argument because one of the things I always hear about the surplus is, well, you can't you know, fund things like officers because you always have to keep paying that. This is a one-of. This is a charge to, for the stadium upkeep going forward. That's the perfect way to use a surplus because there's not going to be a request next year and the year after that. That's how it, I think they should appropriately use those funds. So it's a brilliant point. That's what I would do, but I don't know if there's consensus to do that. There certainly isn't, and I see it on the old National Bank talk and text line, which is 855-616-1620. And happy to take your objections to that. I think you do need to debate it. By no means do I think this ought to get rammed through, but that's just my preference as a fan and as a taxpayer that's how I'd like to see the state handle it. Let me walk you through some of our discussion with the commissioner of Major League Baseball, who was in town uh, for the game last night between the Giants and Brewers. Glad to be here in Milwaukee. Um, I think some of you know I was a very, very regular visitor here for many years, and it's nice to have a chance to be back. Yeah, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred uh Citing his friendship with longtime and now Commissioner Emeritus Bud Selig took questions from a group of uh, reporters, myself included. All of us were interested in talking about the short and long-term future of the Brewers and this public funding for American Family Field. Now, some, you kind of alluded to this, some were better informed than others on the issues, Steve. A lot of the local news reporters, and I'm not trying to dump on anybody, but some people didn't know what they were talking about in the questions that they asked the commissioner. One was kind of interesting, and this is funny, you'll like it, because... Uh, <laughs> A reporter asked whether Manfred saw any disrepair on the ballpark when he toured it, which, A, no one is claiming that Miller Park is or now American Family Field is currently in disrepair. That's not the argument the Brewers are making, nor Major League Baseball, nor anyone involved. It looks fantastic, actually. Yes, and the commissioner said as much. This wasn't going to be like the commissioner tours this... You know, like what they do with a school referenda, right. where they bring the cameras down to the boiler Oh my goodness, room. look how this is deteriorating. Right. Look at the leaky pipes. Vote yes. <laughs> this wasn't going to be that kind of dog and pony show. He didn't take a tour of the ballpark, and American Family Field is not in disrepair. Also, well, here's the commissioner on that. Hey. Did you see any disrepairs today that needs to be upgraded within the stadium? On their tour you know what? I actually was in one room for the player meeting, so I haven't been out and around. It's a great Just ballpark. My good follow-up right there. Yeah, you put the reporter hat back on. I like that. <laughs> yeah, he says, yeah, I was in the one room. I said, I actually was in one room for the player meeting, so I haven't been, <laughs> been out really around. How did it look? Pretty good? Huh? What do you think? <laughs> good? <laughs> yeah, hey, excellent. Commissioner, what do you think? 
Was he receptive Couldn't to your question? I mean, yeah. was, he li- was he listening? He was. He was. He was listening to the questions. And the I, guy's I a he brilliant well. guy. I, I, he, he gets disrespected for some reason. The guy is too. I've seen him on every kind of show you can be on. Yeah. He always has an answer that's thoughtful. Certainly from an MLB perspective, which is what he does, and and he always explains it very carefully. I think he, I thought he did a great job. So here's something else that you alluded to, and I'll get you to the, the, I did ask him a question that I've always wanted to be able to ask him, and I asked him, and he didn't answer it to my satisfaction, or at least give me the answer I'd hope to hear, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, on the issue of what you raised before, how this visit was characterized by the commissioner, uh, the headline in today's Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, baseball commissioner has message for Wisconsin, fix American family field or else. I don't know if they were at the same news conference I was at. I didn't hear that. And that seems, uh, um, you'll never find a bigger support of the Journal Sentinel than me, but that's an agenda-driven headline. It, it felt like one of these things, and I've been in these rooms as a reporter, where you'd think what the story's going to be at 9 a.m. in your morning news meeting, and say, go out and get me that story. Well, when you come back, and you're like, it didn't really happen like that. Whatever. We Yeah, you <laughs> can't do that. This is the story we wanted to tell. You can't do that. Here's Manfred on that. I'd, the, there is not a scenario that um, is in my mind at the current moment. Um, I, I'm more focused on uh, resolving this immediate issue in a timely way so that the ballpark is well maintained for the benefit of the fans and and moving on to a long-term extension to make sure that the Brewers stay in the That's the headline. He, yes. he doesn't see a long-term issue. It's the extension that requires this short-term solution to figure this out. That's all. That, that's the headline. You don't have to make something up. And I, I will grant you there's always this undercurrent, Steve, obviously when you talk about, quote-unquote, preserving the long-term future, there's an undercurrent of, look, if this, then that, and ultimately maybe you get to that point. But, uh, you know, the commissioner didn't come to town specifically to read the riot act to Milwaukee and to Wisconsin about what's going to happen with the future of our ball club. Do you think the Braves story, the, the history of the Braves leaving, has impacted that narrative? I think it does, because we have that history here. So that's, even in less and less people's minds, that's a reality that actually took place. Maybe it could happen again. I say that's crazy. They're not going to let the Brewers walk. When you have Republicans standing up for public financing of stadiums, something is different. Something is different here, because that typically doesn't happen. You also mentioned, you, know, you mentioned the Braves. More, more immediately is the Oakland A's appear all but certain to leave Oakland right now and head to Las Vegas. So he was asked about that multiple times. You know, is, I think one question he got is, is Oakland a warning to Milwaukee? And the commissioner deliberately said, like, I'm not saying that. I'm not here saying that. It's not. These are totally different things. He said Milwaukee is the antithesis of what happened in Oakland. A little bit more from the commission on that, and then we'll uh, get to the break here. This is a gem of a ballpark. Um, It's really important um, that the existing obligation under the lease be funded so that this great ballpark is maintained on a regular basis. It needs to be done in a timely way. But there's been a great relationship between ownership here and the governmental bodies, and I'm confident that the governmental bodies will come up um, with a plan to fund what's just an existing obligation under the lease. Okay, all good. Much more to discuss. The question that I put right to the commissioner. Okay, fine. What you going to do for me? That question is coming up next and his answer on Wisconsin's Morning News. 
So far, so good. We just got a report of a broken down vehicle on 94 westbound, just about a mile past Highway 100, off on the right shoulder, though. That's by way of something to talk about, because really there's nothing else going on. We are looking really good for the start of the holiday weekend. I'm Debbie Lazaga with your WTMJ Johnson & Sons Paving Time Saver Traffic. New rules, same old Bob Euchre. Time call now, here's a penalty, offside. <laughs> All season long, right here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Vince Vetrano here from our partners at 911 Heating and Air. Maybe you fired up that AC unit this past weekend, and we've got temperatures pushing 80 degrees inland coming up for Memorial Day weekend couple of days doing that through the last few. And the worst feeling in the world is you turn the AC on for the, for the first time in the season. Fans blowing, no cold air coming out. Or maybe the thing's just flat, not working at all. doesn't turn on. And the first thought you have is probably like mine. This is about to cost me a lot of money. It doesn't have to. And you want to know, you're calling somebody who's going to be able to come out there and help you, somebody you can trust to tell you what you actually need. You can trust 911 Heating and Air. I actually met personally with 911 Heating and Air owner Alex Peterson a couple of times. He can sell you a new AC unit. They have them installed for as little as $32.99. He guarantees his work, 10-year warranty on the new units. But Alex is super passionate about the business, and what really gets him talking is saving you money by getting your current unit operating at peak efficiency. Alex and his team offer the AC overhaul on any age unit. It will include all new parts and service, and they got a two-year ice-cold guarantee. And here's the best part for you if you're worried about how much something's going to cost you. All the pricing is listed up front on the website, so you know what you're getting into. you get got an honest guy who presents options. Tell him Vinny sent you. Visit 911heatusa.com. 824 on Wisconsin's Morning News on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. If they put a one-time payment into the stadium pot, what will they have to argue about in Madison? See, that's a good point. So sad we have to argue about everything. I don't want to discount that when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in public money, that's our money, Mm -hmm. taxpayer money, that I, I don't mean to gloss over that there shouldn't be any sort of debate. I hardly suggest that, and I think people have strong opinions to which they're duly entitled on both sides of this issue or the multiple sides that the issue has. I just think I've, I issue that as my preferred yeah. alternative. If not this, what what then? It's a surplus. It's our money. And I think you could probably find in the state of Wisconsin a consensus of a majority of Wisconsinites would say, good use of the funds. One other question here that we got on the old National Bank talk and text line is key to my next point. Uh, the texter asks, what are the brewers paying for upkeep? The brewers do have skin in the game in terms of upkeep of American Family Field. So their lease agreement is their rent is like $1.2, $1.3 million or thereabouts per year. Plus, they are required under the agreement to invest some $300,000 annually. That's a little light. Right. I would re- renegotiate that to be at least a million dollars. Just just me saying that. Can you put that on the table? Okay. One of the reasons, though, that that rent is certainly low is because we're a small market team, and we want our ownership to put dollars back into the payroll so that we can have a winner. Otherwise, what are we doing here, right? You used a small market example. Oakland. Horrible ballpark. They, they have loyal fans, but they don't go to the games. They don't pay the money. They don't buy the concessions. Or Milwaukee, which is consistently one of the highest-ranked attendants for, for small market teams in, the, in Major League Baseball. Fans show up. They support the team. Those aren't the same thing. There's a reason why the Oakland A's are going to move to Vegas, because they're not supported financially. Here, we support the team. We're, we're asked to do it again. I understand that's painful. We're asked to do a lot of things that are painful. Sometimes you suck it up and you do it. And the economics of baseball are broken 
internally. And so I had a chance to ask the commissioner directly about that. Brewers fans in Milwaukee across the state are to invest hundreds of millions of dollars in the long-term future of this club. We look over at the New York Mets outspending us by $200 million in payroll this year alone. Can you promise the fans you'll level the playing field for small market teams like us? It's important. um, You know, our principal economic challenge um, is to make sure that all of our 30 markets have a real opportunity to compete. And while um, spending um, that's really disparate is an issue, um, I think the brewers are a great example, a model of how a small market team can compete. Um, When you have a great facility like this, um, when it's well-maintained, when ownership makes a commitment not only to put a competitive team on the field, but to do its share to maintain the facility, and the fans continue to turn out, a team like the Brewers, as demonstrated by their record, can compete. So that's baseball commissioner Rob Manfred on that. So that's a no on that. (laughs) <laughs> no, I will not level the playing field. No. I don't know how I could. I don't know how I can take on the players' union. Players don't want a salary cap because it means less money for them, but it's the salary cap that keeps the NFL and a tiny team like Green Bay just as competitive as the New Yorks and the L.A.s and the Chicago's. Do you do you think that's a a problem that they, they have to fix? Because, I mean, the Brewers are competitive. A lot of I, I would give a lot of the credit to Craig Council, who's a tremendous yeah. manager. And to now Matt Arnold, Senior Vice President and General Manager, you know, in our conversations with Matt in Brewers 360 every week, Steve, like, I I think he's doing a good job, but he can't afford to make any mistakes on a major level. And I think that's an unfair onus to put on these smaller market teams. They get no mistakes. So if, let's say Yelich, year two, better year this year than the last couple of, but... Let's say that turns out to not pay out as we expected it. We can't afford that kind of mistake. You make a move here close to the All-Star break, can't afford to make a mistake on that. This is done. This is where the you know the the farm teams, the the young players matter and, yes. and from all accounts Brewers have a tremendous lineup of young talents. Let's develop these players. Let's see if we have a, a rising star, you know, a future Aaron Judge or whatever. Maybe there's one of those in our in our in our minor league system. There are plenty of them. Yeah. I I lived through the Robin Robin Young Paul Mauter. Those are our guys. <laughs> right. They were incredible. Our guys. Let's do that again. It's it's a it's a you know one in a million. But this team is competitive. It's they're fun to watch. I always have a great time at the ballpark. I'm a fan. That's not going to change. I want to invest the money in the team. I want to. I want them to be here. One more point to make on this. We'll do that when we come back and read a couple of your texts next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight thirty one on Wisconsin's morning. Hey, I'm the only one that was alive in sixty nine here, aren't I? Aren't I? <laughs> yes. Nope. Oh, Debbie Lazarus got me. <laughs> uh, you guys can have it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm taking every year I can whatever. get right now. We forget though that stuff gets old, right? And I mentioned off the top that I was, you know, a kid when this debate about replacing County Stadium first started, and you know, it comes to mind Milwaukee Repertory Theater earlier in the year, or maybe late last, announced a seventy million dollar rep. Uh, uh, infusion into rebuilding their space there. We're getting a new public museum and things like that. And you look over at Milwaukee Rep and I think like, didn't we just do that? No, that was 40 years ago mm-hmm. when we did that. Mm-hmm. Stuff gets old. It needs to be maintained. It needs to be replaced. Here's the problem. If you don't do that, like Milwaukee County Courthouse, the domes, all the, it costs hell a lot more money to do that. And then you have a bigger decision to make whether you even still have those facilities. So let's do the right thing.
And I look at a couple of other things in terms of, well, what do we need to fix then if it's in good good shape? I mean, to get a new scoreboard, they're talking about that. And my first thought was, we need a new scoreboard? McKelvey was on with us from MLB.com this morning. He's like, yeah, well, it was about 13 years old. Think about how many 13-year-old TVs do you have in your house? You know, the technology that's changed from when that yeah. TV 10-plus years ago. I was sitting with the Packers yesterday in the Packers suite for the game at, at the American Family Field, and they're putting a, a scoreboard twice the size yeah. of the old one. Spending money, man, to make money. How's your 25- or 30-year-old refrigerator performing? I don't have one that old. Or your 20-, 30-year-old stove. And think about how many of those units are inside Miller Parks. When we talk about, what do they need all this money for? My chair looks great. There's so much more in there. So they can debate back and forth what that number is. The cleanest, easiest way to do it, to save us the infighting and the bickering and all the stuff, is write the check you got the money there. Let's do it one time and move on to the other problems real, here in Wisconsin. Real quick, I think Manfred said it's a, it's a gem, right? Said it, called it's it a, a gem. gem. Quote. Yes, I agree. Let's keep it that way. Eight thirty nine on Wisconsin's morning news. The front end of the holiday weekend here, taking you up till nine o'clock. Greg Pancake Hill, Vince Vetrano here. And WTMJ Steve Scafidi joining me in the studio early today. I like coming in at eight. I'm glad to have you. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's something different, you know. It makes I like. I don't like to stay. Oh, it's quote. different in here. <laughs> it is. Well, we had a full <laughs> squad, and I'm, I'm not yeah. used to. I'm, I'm on one man show. Yeah, you got like four people in Matzik's here. Matzik's in here. Spalding's in here. Matzik with the hair. Debbie's over there. What's man? He looks like an old homeless guy. Yeah, he's shaved head guy, and then uh, yeah. agreed. What was it? If we raised enough money for the, the Mac, Mac fund, fund yeah. he's gonna let it grow out. And, and kudos to Greg. I mean, that's awesome. Like it's, his I, own, it's his own no mome. This fall, I'm growing a mustache for charity. Are you? Yeah, I'm gonna raise as much money as I can. But I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make big ass because my wife is not happy about this at all. She does not want the stash. Asks. Okay, just <laughs> to clarify. Did I say big ass? What did I say? <laughs> just want to make sure. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's 8, 8.30 in the morning. 8.40. I want to play some sound for you and then tell you what this is. Greg Pancake Hill, producer of the program, found this. This is an open airline jet door while a plane was landing in South Korea. Guy on the way down opens the door mid-flight. What's going on with people? Why? Why do that? I wonder. So here, let me let me read you what CNN wrote on it, and then I'll tell you what I wonder. Did they make it political? Just kidding. No, they Just did kidding. not. The door of the Asiana Airlines flight opened uh, as it was coming to land in South Korea Friday afternoon, leaving wind whipping through the plane's cabin, terrified passengers gripping their armrests. Video of the incident shows. Airline officials said the guy was in his 30s. He was sitting in the emergency seat. Seemed to have opened the door when the aircraft was 700 feet from the ground. It's got to be anxiety or something, right? Or just crazy. Local police said the man had been arrested. They said he confessed to opening the door, but would not say why he did it. All right. Lifetime ban. He can never be on a plane again. (laughs) That's a good plan. Enjoy the city bus, my friend. Try to get into uh, another country on that. No, he's never on a plane again. I just wonder, haven't you ever sat in that seat oh, yeah. and not ever actually decided to do it? But doesn't your mind go to, I wonder you, what would happen? I've if, touched the handle. <laughs> you have not. Oh, I've touched the handle. Just to, to do what? Just to, to touch it. it? Just to touch. Not going to jiggle it. Yeah, you, just jiggle it a little bit. I want to touch it a little bit. Just to see what it feels like. <laughs> I'm not saying whatever open. That's crazy. T- I want to fly. I like to go places. But I've touched the handle. I wonder what would happen. If, well, <laughs> well, if you're high up in the air, you're going to suck all the uh, all the oxygen out of the plane. 
Yeah, this guy but, was I mean, low. Fortunately, they were only about 700 feet from the ground, right? It took him about two, three minutes. 700 feet. You couldn't wait to 700 feet to just get to the ground and just get out the normal way? Really wanted to catch a burrito at the <laughs> place out there when they landed. Like, you can debate it's commencement season. I think most colleges are pretty much done now. You had a couple of big weekends of commencements locally and across the country. We've got high school stuff coming up the next couple of weeks. You can debate what makes a great commencement speaker. Maybe it's a big name, somebody... You know, sometimes schools get the sitting president or yeah. a former president or something mm-hmm. like that. It's a big deal. Or somebody with a particularly inspirational story or message that you always remember. Commencement for Massachusetts Community College and Quincy College. 2,500 grads. Their speakers, some some billionaire tech guy. Might be how the graduating class. I bet you if you're sitting there, you're just putting yourself through community college and they've got this, this billionaire has come to give us his wisdom. Robert Hale's his name, telecom billionaire, co-owner of the Boston Celtics. Don't know for sure how these college kids were looking at him coming in. That's just my, what's this rich guy going to come in and tell me, okay? Well, they loved it. Hale tells every graduate, in addition to your diploma today, you will get two envelopes from me. There are instructions inside. The first 500 is for you. It's a celebration of all you have done to be here today. Your leaders, celebrate. The second 500 is a gift. For you to give to somebody or somebody else or another organization who could use it more than you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. He's got two envelopes for every grad, 2,500 of them, with $1,000 in total. Here's 500 bucks. Do what you want with it. Here's 500 bucks. Give it to somebody else. Donate it to a charity. Find somebody you know who needs it. Now, you probably guess where I'm going. Pessimist in me. How many people are keeping the full 1,000? There are going to be some. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're going to be some. But he gave him the cash. Right. Is it straight cash? Is that what it was? I don't know if it was cash or a check. Man, if it was cash, I'm going to probably go to the bar with my f- the 500 right after graduation. Oh, you know that, right? Yeah, yeah, Everybody yeah. was well it's cared on me. for there. Oh, it's on me. I got 500. Yeah, it's on me. Does that count as giving it to someone? <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I Here's like my the way 500. Yeah. I'm giving him a drink. I'll pay for you all the drinks. I tonight. love that. As long as you kick in your 500 towards me. $2.5 million in total was the tab for him. I love the commencement speech. I've never. Have you ever given one? I've never have. Nope, never invited to do that. I'd be. I'd be. I love to do it. And and what is your message to the graduates? Work hard. It's going to be more of a, a have fun thing. because um, obviously get plenty of sleep. No, nothing boring like that. I want to have fun on these things. I had a conversation the other day. I, I said to somebody, you know, I'm I'm actually a guy that likes to have fun. And they, you know what they said to me? Really? <laughs> I was <laughs> that, like, okay, that's confident, Billy. That was the How surprising news. Oh, my goodness. 8.45 on Wisconsin's Morning News. This guy had the best week ever, and that maybe has come to a screeching halt. That story next. on Wisconsin's Morning News. It was the feel-good story of last week. This week, it feels less good. (laughs) This is the story that's about golf, but it's not really about golf. I played you the phone call that a golf professional, but not a professional golf player, got last week. This was on Sunday. Hello. Michael. Yes. This is Michael Toth, the tournament director at Colonial. Hey, what's going on, Michael? Great week, my friend. Congratulations. Don't tell me what you're going to tell me, because if you tell me, I'm going to start crying right now, man. Yeah, his PGA professional, Michael Block, after he just finished a dream weekend of golf, he tied for 15th among the world's best golfers at the PGA Championship last weekend. 
And he's on the phone here with the tournament director for the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial Golf Course in Fort Worth, Texas, which is underway now. Second round is uh, already in action here this morning. So why is this a big deal? You said the guy's a prof- uh, golf professional, right? And Steve knows this because he plays golf. You have folks in the industry who play golf competitively. They're your PGA Tour pros. And then you have a golf pro who's the guy out at your local driving range mm-hmm. or your Milwaukee County golf course or country club or whatever. Shagging balls, giving lessons, yep. talking to people, walking into the course. Ordering the new Nike stuff for yeah. the pro shop. Yeah. Talking to the Havercamps. <laughs> and doing yeah, all the things. Yeah. This guy teaches golf lessons for a, for a living. That's what he does. And because how the PGA works, a number of these professionals have an opportunity to try to qualify for these big tournaments, among them the PGA Championship. So a small number of these guys every year get to have a cup of coffee with the big players, the Rory McIlroys and the Phil Mickelsons and Justin Thomas, all these guys, and they're out there right there with them. And what usually happens is after the first two days of play, they don't have the scores to make it to the weekend, and that's that. It wasn't that a great experience. Well, this cat, Michael Block, last week, he goes out there and he plays four rounds of his life, finishes tied for 15th in a field of, like, what, 150, 160 guys? Best right? golfers in the world. He's out there with Rory McIlroy going yeah. toe-to-toe, gets a hole-in-one on Sunday, and right. then gets invited to do it, do it again. The sponsor's exemption. Come on out here. You got... People feel so good about your story, this amazing thing. We'd love to have you out here at our golf tournament. So I mentioned the Charles Schwab Challenge at Memorial, or at Colonial, rather, in Fort Worth, Texas, is underway. And in fact, Michael Block is out for his second round. So they play 18 holes yesterday. And par is, I don't know, did you see, is it a 72, Steve, par? I, I didn't see it. Se- it's somewhere Generally. around 70, 71, 72, right? right? <laughs> what do you think Michael Block shot in his first round yesterday? 77. I'm sorry. Higher than that? 81. Oh, yeah, that's not going to get you anywhere. (laughs) He shot 11 over. Ouch. He was in dead butt last place of 160th, and he is 19 shots off the So you golf and I golf. Nowhere near the level of these guys. Oh, man. I I would argue that the difference between a Michael Block and a Rory McIlroy are two things. One, how far the, the pros pros can hit the ball. Yeah, and he alluded to that. The second thing is mental and uh, acuity. The difference between because I've I've played with these PGA pros on yeah, in right. pro amps and stuff. Man, they can nail it to within two feet of the pin on a consistent basis. But you don't do that when you're playing against the best in the world because it gets in your head. Mental acuity is the difference. That's why these guys are so good. They do it every week. They can knock out 68s every round if they want to because they got it up here. Most of the, most people can hit the ball, especially if you do it for a living. PGA Pro or otherwise, it's in your noggin, yep. and then also the training that is now required to be a pro, pro golfer, professional golfer, they can whack the heck out of the ball. And I'm not laughing at him, I'm laughing with him, because by all accounts, this is a humble guy who knows the amazing opportunity that was before him. What did he cash last week? Uh, 290 I'm guessing that's more than he probably makes, right. you know, doing all the other stuff he does. He was doing okay. So, yeah. he, you know, I... I hope he's not too heartbroken, and he, uh, before his round today, was asked, you know, what do you think for tomorrow? Here's his quote. I'm looking forward to coming out tomorrow and playing a great round and giving it everything I have. I've shot 58. I've shot 59 in my life, and since what I had today, I wouldn't be surprised if I did it. So if I do, cool. If not, I'll be seeing my kids and wife tomorrow night in Orange County, California. It's all good. 
one way it's got or another. a great another. attitude. 853 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Eight fifty six on Wisconsin's Morning News. What a big week. Exhale. Let's go. Yeah, we got the big weekend coming up. I'm, I'm actually work. Bill Stud's working money. I'm working money with Good. Carol Kane. We're gonna have some fun. Do you have big plans for the weekend? I don't have big plans. Yeah, cookout or anything. Th- things are happening. Yeah, kids are involved. Well, you in a got lot of the, stuff. Yeah, that's the whole thing with the kids. They're yeah. at home. They're gonna. They're gonna. Direct your your activities. I'm going to be out with some folks in uh, Hartford tomorrow. They have a, a tennis club, and so you know, folks know I play pickleball and tennis. I'm a racket sports guy. And which one do you like better, pickleball or tennis? Tennis, I would, and and that's See, hard. I, with, I grew up playing tennis. With pickleball gaining so much popularity, I'm losing tennis guys. They're like, well, let's play pickleball. Like, yeah, let's play tennis. What, uh, so, as a non pickleball player, yeah. what's the, is is it easier? Is it just different? What is it? It's certainly easier on your body. Pickleball is because you're smaller court, yeah. less less area to move. Now, if you play singles in pickleball, which very few people do, uh, that can be really an aerobic activity. But you know, it's less less ground to cover, so it's a little bit easier. I also find it easier to play with people of varying abilities. Pickleball, because it's you know it's closed, it's a little bit easier to get that ball over the net. So like you know, you go out and play tennis with somebody who doesn't play tennis. Yeah. It's- you're just chasing balls all day, right? <laughs> it's frustrating. It's not fun for them. It's right. not fun for you, right? Pickleball is a little bit more accessible. So, as far as ball, you know, hitting the ball over the net, is it is it different than tennis? Is it? Yeah, more- you can tell people like me and others who have a tennis background who then also adapt that to pickleball. Like they still have some of that tennis swing. Yeah. Uh, others don't. Is it a shorter swing? Yeah, it can be and should be probably. And you can pop the ball a little bit more without a follow. What about through? the spin and all that? Spin can be there, but it's a lot more delicate. Pickleball is as well because you know the the real anybody can stand back there and start hitting the ball as hard as you can, which is fun, <laughs> especially at people. But right, <laughs> the skill comes in when you can take the take the speed off of it. Who's better, you or Mercure? I am. You are. Yeah. Yeah. John, and that's not bragging on it. Is John, John a beginner? Would, John would vouch for that. Is He's a newer to it. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't have the tennis background. I do. All right. Good stuff, man. So it's we, fun hanging out. We got that going on. Yeah, it's good. What do you got? Uh, I got my team, Political Power Hour. Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, left versus right, conservative, liberal. We're going to do it. Hammer it out. Fix it all, okay? We're, we're going to fix it in an hour on this on the big show today. Steve Scafidi is next on WTMJ. No one knows just how hard you work. But now.